On this week's episode of Living Free with RP, we have Dustin Buck. And we're going to be looking into the more mental health aspect of RP. Something we don't take a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of focus on it. And uh, he wants to shed a light on that. So here is Dustin's journey. First of all, thank you for taking the time out today uh, to be on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. Uh, so introduce yourself to everybody. Let everyone know who you are and your family and a little bit about yourself. Sure. So my name is Dustin Buck. I live in Fair Oaks, which is just outside of Sacramento in California. I married my beautiful wife, who I met in grad school, married about six years, just celebrated our sixth anniversary, and we've got a four-year-old daughter who is the love of my life as well, and has me wrapped around her finger, and mm-hmm. most of my family is all here in the Sacramento area. I live about three blocks from the house I grew up in as a kid, and my office is about three minutes from my home, so I'm very lucky that i haven't had to travel too far in my life from uh, where I grew up. Nice. And actually, I am dealing with what we, de- what we deal with is actually pretty good because you're so familiar with the area for being there so long. So it's good to have yes. that, you know, Very that network. Yeah. I feel the same way when I go back to my parents' house, you know, I, I even despite division loss, I still feel like I can walk around that neighborhood. No problem. Yeah, it's a, it's a great community in Fair Oaks, and, and I've just been here for so long that I, I've got a really good network of people that I know, and there's some really good people that live around here, so, so I'm very awesome. fortunate, so I can't imagine uh, I'll probably move too far from here for the rest of my life. Cool. I mean, California sounds nice, so I've never, I've never been there before, but I have uh, one family member out there. Yeah, it's a, it's a little smoky right now. Where does your family yeah. member live? Uh, I always forget. I think like, last time I knew, I thought he was in San Diego, but I can't remember. It might be still. I might be San Diego, somewhere around there. Yeah, California right now has the first, third, and fourth largest fires in history, all burning at the same time in California. Oh, wow. So that's a uh, that's not what you want to have records for. No, no, it's, it's <laughs> that's not pretty, something you want. It's been pretty uh, difficult to go outside. They're really recommending a lot of people stay inside, especially some of these days when the air quality gets horrific. So, I know my friend's from uh, Montana, and I know they had something over there coming his way. 
there was a big fire over there or something like that. Yeah. So when did you Part get diagnosed? The... Tell everybody. Sure. So I got diagnosed about two and a half years ago at age 35. And it was, uh, and I feel like I was sideswiped on the freeway when I was going 90 miles an hour. And I it was uh, pretty shocking. And, and it was um, just something that came up in a random eye exam test actually at a Costco at uh, oh, wow. <laughs> at seven o'clock at one one evening on a Wednesday after I failed uh, or performed pretty poorly on a peripheral test. A woman ran a few more tests and she looked at my eyes and she put her hand on my shoulders and said that she's so sorry that I was going to have to deal with this. And I, I said, well, well, getting glasses, I've had glasses my you know, <laughs> last 30 years. I don't mind. Uh, yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, and so she was suspicious at that point of RP. Didn't diagnose me with it, but she said, you should probably go talk to some other specialists or talk to someone about it. So that led me to immediately scheduling a few other appointments and went from specialist to specialist and eventually got the diagnosis just uh, just about two and a half years ago. And so it gave me a little time to get my life in order and make sure I was, you know, had as much understanding of what I was about to get myself into as possible it was a it was a shock and a pretty horrific um, you know, kind of experience. I really, at first, I thought my life was over. I thought, holy moly, I got this new business I had just started. I had just gotten to this point in my life at 35 where I'd been working for 15 years to, to, to build a business, to you know have a house in the community that I grew up in. I had these big grandiose plans of creating this massive financial empire and helping helping tons of people retire independently and, and go down that path. And then this diagnosis happened. And so it's like, Oh my gosh, my clients are all going to leave me. My wife is going to leave me. My daughter's not going to want to hang out with me. Oh, you know, wow. this is, this is, this is bad because you, you know, yeah, I you made the deep. mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And I made the mistake of Googling RP and I said, well, what is this thing? And I looked at it and the first website I went to, said, you know, folks with RP are often emotionally devastated, dot, 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 dot. I was like, oh, I'm emotionally devastated. Okay, well, you know, sad or depressed, that's one thing, but emotionally devastated, that's pretty bad. And so I then watched a few videos and I read a book about, um, you know, a memoir from someone who had RP and it really just shocked me to the core. And I immediately knew, okay, I need to get, I need to get some help. I need to get you know, some more support around me. So I ended up reaching out to a psychiatrist, psychologist. I went to a, immediately, but within a month, I signed up for a three-day seminar out at a place called Spirit Rock Meditation Center and went out and it was a, a seminar about resiliency and, and how to build resiliency. So I thought, okay, I'm, you know, I've got a great support system around me. I've got good friends and great family. I'm super lucky to have that. Uh, I just... Didn't hadn't really ever faced much adversity in my life. Um, I'd always always kind of gotten to the places I wanted to get to um, just by pushing things forward myself, and I hadn't really had to face a lot of a lot of negativity in my life. And so I just knew I needed some additional support. And so between you know a number of people that I reached out to and, and a few self help um, paths that I went down. I was able to 
at least get a good handle on where I was, what I really needed. And, and it, it took about nine months or so of being in a really horrific depression. I was having suicidal thoughts. I was having panic attacks. I was getting sick in the bathroom in the mornings, just kind of thinking about what this was going to do to my life. And you know, the doctors, the you know, first retinal specialist I saw, he said within I had about six minutes with him and he said, Hey, you know, you're, you're so lucky to have been diagnosed at 35 and not have really any issues at this point. You're really on borrowed time. So you should really consider learning Braille and reaching out to the society for the blind as soon as possible. And I said, well, well, that's not, that's not what I wanted to hear. What else can I do? And he said, well, you could also reach out to the foundation fighting blindness. If you want, they've got some interesting things going on and there's some clinical trials you might be interested in in the future, but good luck. And I said, okay. And I left the office and, uh, and then from there, it was it was uh, just a, a process to really make sure I had all the tools necessary. So I started doing a lot of research and spent a lot of time just trying to figure out what what was the likely direction that I was going and how would this likely affect me in the future. And the tough thing, obviously, as you know, with RP is there's you know 270 different mutations that cause RP, and every mutation has a little different prognosis and, and time frame for how the symptoms show themselves and mm-hmm. and the path that people go down. So I really, you know, obviously I didn't know what could happen. I thought, oh gosh, I'm on borrowed time. I should really try to enjoy this as much as possible um, before, before my vision gets worse. So from there, I really sat down after about nine months, it took me to get out of this depression. I don't even remember most of the nine months from February of 2018 through like September of 2018, it was it was time I blocked out a lot of my memory. Uh, I bought a house in the meantime, and I uh, did a did a few things with my business that were fantastic. And I just I have very little recollection of it. Um, and after the nine months, I really picked myself up and I said, "Okay, here's what I've got. This is what I've. This is the situation I'm in." I'm so lucky to have as much vision as I do now and to be in a place where I've got a, a good thriving business. I've got great support and family around me. You know, what, what direction am I going to go with my life? Am I going to keep building this big financial empire and push that? And, and ultimately that would, you know, could have, you know, was the, the original plan or do I want to maybe focus some attention elsewhere? And so the diagnosis itself really helped push me in a, a different direction in my life as far as what I'd like to get accomplished and who I can help. And, and it's, you know, in a lot of respects, the diagnosis has been one of the best things that have ever happened to me. Um, you know, just because it, I, I don't think I would have been able to get to this point. Um, if I, if I didn't have this adversity in my life, um, and I don't think that I would have probably grown to be the man that I, I really want to be. So it's given me a pretty cool opportunity to look at my life and say, okay, let me, let's take a look at where I'm going, where I'm going to end up. You know, I don't want to have any regrets in the future. And I want to you know, try to try to be as positive a person as possible. And, you know, and then, then I just put together my game plan for moving forward from there. Awesome. So wait, prior to your diagnosis, 
you like there are no like looking back and you see any flags now that something was up like there any moments you can kind of single out yeah it's a good question so from from an early age i always knew that i had a hard time seeing stars at night i can remember going on a couple of elementary school overnight trips and i remember we'd stargaze at night and I remember looking through a telescope and I must've been probably seven or eight or nine years old. And I, I never said, wow, look at that. That's amazing. Look at this, Dustin, take a look at it. And I looked in, I said, um, yeah, black sky. That's cool. All right. And, and I might've <laughs> said, whoa, yeah, that is cool. Uh, um, but I always knew that I you know, couldn't see stars very well, but, and then I got glasses prescribed to me in kindergarten and I was, I was always nearsighted and had really thick glasses. And, but other than that, I had no other symptoms. There was no family history whatsoever going back on both sides of my family of any sort of retinal issues. And so it was, uh, it was just a pretty big shock when I received that news 30 years later. Yeah. It's a, that'll do it. I I just can't, I can't imagine that. I mean, like, you know, just boom. Wow. You know, everything is shifting so quickly, you know? Like you're saying, well, it gave me a good, a great opportunity to just kind of hit the reset button and just really evaluate my life and, and kind of and really look at it and say, okay, are, is the path I'm going down? Is this really going to be the path that's going to help me get to achieve all the goals I want to achieve and help the people I want to help? And and so it really forced me to 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 take some time out because I'd been go 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 and nonstop. I was always trying to get through everything in life as quick as possible. So I got out of high school early, got out of college early, applied to one company and I had a career before, well, most of my friends were still in school. And so I was always just rushing from point A to point B to just try to get as much done and help as many people and just push forward as quickly as I could. And so this really forced me to stop and and slow down a little bit. So, so in, that, in that case, it's been a, a blessing in disguise. That's what I'm finding. A lot of uh, people that are on the podcast all like, it's like the same thing. They all feel like, in a way, getting you know, in a weird way, getting you know, getting this disease has uh, made them better because it does have to make you push, you know, and and find other ways to do things and adapt and you know, and just challenges that you never really, you know, most people don't face on a day to day basis. You know, we do. So I think it definitely makes us a tougher skin. It gives us, you know, it changes us. Yeah, and it also really helped me put a lot of things into perspective. So after my initial diagnosis, I was like, oh, my gosh, my life is, is going to, a lot of this is going to end. I'm going to, oh, this is going to be horrible. And then I thought about it more, and I started reading people's stories, and I started to listen to podcasts and, and interviews, and I started to try to research the, the community as much as possible. And I said, wait a minute, hold on. I how lucky am I that I still have this much vision that I'm this old to be able to be diagnosed and I've got a good amount of time and resources to be able to try to really help put things into perspective. And I said, okay, my life is actually, it's not bad at all. I'm, I'm very lucky to be in this position in a lot of respects. Um, and it could be substantially worse. And some of these stories I hear, you know, just are heartbreaking. It's like, oh my gosh, I, I thought my life was hard going through this, but a lot of people have it much harder. And 
So it really helped me realize, okay, I don't need to feel bad for myself. I don't want anyone else to feel bad. So how do I just, uh, just push forward from there? Oh, it's like that girl I just had on who's 15 getting diagnosed the year prior and her vision's already, I mean, she's already like, it's, it's, you know, fading pretty quick and you're like, she's not even going to get to drive, you know, you know, things like the things that we all took, we all got to enjoy, you know, the, the lead, just going outside, hopping in your car, you know, she's never going to get to do. So yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we definitely look at things a little differently now and uh, realize that the, just any amount of vision you have is you know, you're, you're in a better spot than a lot of other people who have RP. So that's, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's definitely been uh like I said, there's been a lot of reasons why this has been a, a really, really uh, exciting experience. Actually it's one way to, one way to put it. I mean, it's painful and there's a lot of, you know, there's, and so far I've just dealt with most of the mental part of the disease. Um, right. I really haven't had it physically affect me because I can still drive. I can still do everything that I was doing previously. I can't see undulation on greens as well as I used to. So my putting is definitely <laughs> not as good as it was before, but I was already a bad putter at golf. So it, uh, <laughs> I can kind of play that off pretty easily, but um, that's been about the only way that it's really affected me so far. So, so I'm extremely lucky in that respect. And um, you know, it kind of gave me a good chance to evaluate what I've accomplished and what I want to accomplish, and what I want to do. And I, within a, a few months of the diagnosis, I had built out a five, 10, 20 and 50 year list of goals that I wanted to do. And I had a bucket list that was attached to that. And, and I said, okay, I want to do these five things. That would be if I, you know, if I can do these before I lose any more vision or lose my vision, you know, I'll be really happy. And I've, so it gave me a, a, a nice little kick in the behind to, to not just sit there and think about all these things that I've wanted to do over the years. And I kept just putting off because I was like, oh, I can do that later. I can do that in my 40s. I can do that in my 50s. I can do that in my 60s. And then it's like, whoa, hey, wait a minute. I might not be able to do that as easily as I can today. So any day that I waste by not trying to, to push forward on these goals or other goals I have, I'm wasting time, really. Right. So, so speaking of uh, your vision, though, where, where actually is it currently? Yeah, so currently I've lost a little bit of my peripheral vision. So I've lost um, maybe 25% of my peripheral vision in one eye and maybe 15% of my, my other eye. But my acuity is, is fantastic. I think I'm 2025 and 2015 in, in my two eyes with corrected. So I can, uh, I can see very well. I'm very fortunate. My night vision is still pretty strong. Um, you know, I can feel it's a little different now than it was maybe five years ago if I just had to try to remember back to, to my vision, but it really hasn't affected me too much to this point. That's good. Now, yeah. Being 38 now today, today I turned 38. So Enjoy. happy birthday here, again. Thank you. <laughs> from here it's, you know, I, I do understand that, you know, oft, oftentimes the progression can happen quicker and it can be in chunks. And so I've just tried to mentally prepare myself as much as possible for, Hey, if it does diminish at some point, you know, what would I do and how would I, how would I react? And, you know, as much as you can plan for something like that, you're not going to, I don't think anyone can fully plan for it. 
but it's uh, it's been a, a goal of mine just to try to get as mentally prepared and as mentally strong as I can to to be ready for that. All right, I find it. Oh yeah, I find progression to me is like every decade. Is every time I enter a, you know, once I, like when I remember I, you know, I started shifting my vision during the day. You know, when when I entered my thirties, and then and now I feel another shift is coming because I can feel things are just a little different, and I'm noticing I don't see things certain things the same way I saw them before. So I feel like every time, you know, you enter a new, a new age bracket. That's what I feel. I mean, and I've talked to other people on the podcast, and they kind of also agree with that. That seems to be the case. Sometimes it's like every about ten years you get you go through some kind of, you know, big shift, and that's the reason why you don't notice it because it's like so small. You know, the changes are probably so small throughout those ten years, and then kind of build up, and then that's when you really start noticing you know all that stuff it's interesting i've heard some folks say that they were able to feel it ahead of time or they kind of they had a, some sort of notion or feeling that their eyes were going to be changing or and then all of a sudden things kind of changed have you ever had any sort of feelings prior to any changes that's what i feel like it- now in the past like year the past like or this year in general like yeah i've, I've had moments where just i don't know some may, may not entirely like it's gone things are gone or something like that but i just feel like i'm like i like i feel a shift coming like yeah it's a it's, it's just like it's just a feeling yeah i i could i can definitely agree with that because that's what i feel like i can't can't put it down on paper exact things but i could i could just tell and that's fine and actually knowing that makes me feel it makes you feel kind of better in a way because <laughs> you're like all right you know because you'll adjust faster you know you already know okay i feel like another shift's coming okay I'm, i'll you know i'll deal with this you know and that's it you know you just, just once you adjust and you move on i mean i i'm fortunate like you say i feel i'm actually fortunate because, because you know i go back, way back to when i was 14 because i feel like i'm an rp veteran you know i feel like you know I'm, this this is just another day you know and so just doing this podcast has been an awesome uh experience uh not even just for being able to it's, one is just amazing because i get to talk to like people like you and and just share your stories but to, i get to actually you know it makes you just with every episode i feel like i'm you feel you know you have gratitude you feel like i'm lucky to have you know i'm blessed to have what i have because things could be so much different and and i've learned so much and, and i'm hoping people are learning you know uh, on their end as well like you know what like you said things could be worse there's more people out there and Let's let's appreciate what we have, you know. But uh, we're get there. It's a process. It's definitely a process. <laughs> you know. So, but I hope everyone learns from this. I hope like people are out there, you know, like who are listening that, you know, there's, there could be somebody out there who could be where you were, you know, two, you know, two and a half years ago, just like emotionally devastated, and hopefully they find, you know your episode or you know another person's episode and they listen to them and then that's you know it makes them feel like you know a lot better because i mean i i i can't relate to i can't relate to those emotions in a way only because i you know if you've listened to uh, my journey i mean i i had a mom who had it and she was awesome and my mom still you know still awesome so I kind of had that to kind of go on it, it didn't make me feel like devastated because i already knew it was coming so it's, 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 it's been it's been part of the process it's been interesting to me is just hearing people's stories and 
seeing the difference between folks who grow up with it and that's what their life is because either a family member has it and all of a sudden they they find out about it or or they get diagnosed really early um, compared to the opposite side where folks get diagnosed much later in life. I've met a couple people that have been diagnosed in their 30s, met someone in their 50s who had diagnosed, and it's just a very different overall experience. Um, and it's uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to, to have been through my experience, but I can, you know, most of the people that I talk to who were diagnosed earlier, you know, just have, it's just have a different, completely different way of thinking and, and mentality towards the, the disease. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, uh, it's just been interesting seeing how people react to it. Whenever it they're make you wonder what, what would have happened. Like if you didn't go to that Costco <laughs> that night, like what if like, you know, what if it, that wasn't that moment? Like what if that, you know, you didn't go there or whatever, and maybe you put off getting your eyes checked for another couple of years, where would your life be now? You know, like right now you're not diagnosed yet. Two and a half years later and you still have a distant, you know, you just decided to skip out and go into, you know, the eye doctor or something, you know, and, and now where's your world now? You know, it's, those things are fascinating to me. Those little moments. Yeah, that's true. And I'm not sure if I believe in fate specifically, but you know, for me it was, it was interesting timing because it was really within a year of me telling my wife and telling my, you know, telling myself, gosh, you know, I finally, I'm, whoops now i gotta go a different direction uh, i lost but, that you, you know, broke up that that pass. you know oh i just said um um you know being able to um you know get the diagnosis and 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 right after i really you know within a year of me saying to my wife and my friends and family gosh i feel like i finally made it you know last 15 18 years of work all all to try to get to this point i finally got here and then whoops sideswiped uh but you know really to to go back to the emotional mental part of it you know when i read that emotionally devastated that's that's pretty serious and i've talked to handfuls of people who went through the same experiences or similar experiences with you know, having suicidal thoughts or having just really bad you know depression or despair and it's something in this community it's really not talked about as much as i think it should be um, i grew up in my my mom was a marriage and family therapist her whole career, and my dad ran a company that found housing for folks with mental illness. So for me, mental health was always front, uh, first and you know, front and fore foremost of, of a lot of the discussions I was having at home and right. the experience. So when I kind of thought about this and I, I saw the, the, the pain and the devastation that others were feeling, you know, it just helped me just be more convicted that I really – you know, if I can do anything to try to help reduce the amount of time, you know, I think back, gosh, what, how much would I have paid if I could have reduced that nine months down to, say, six months of, okay. of despair or three months? How much would I have paid to be able to ha not have those months? Oh, you know, I would, would have given my, my left leg for, you know, for having, you know, less horrific, um, you know, pain through that time. So one of my goals has been just try to try to figure out a way to help reduce that experience for others that, you know, that have been diagnosed you know, maybe later in life or that are sitting there and they're walking around, they have RP, but their optometrist at Costco didn't find it. Yeah, they're right. Just in the future. You know, there's millions of people right now that are walking around or 
hundreds of thousands of people probably in the world that are walking around that haven't been diagnosed yet, but they have the disease. Eventually they'll figure it out more than likely. Um, so, you know, there's, there's going to be constantly new people who are coming into this diagnosis. Oh, yeah. and, uh, I never tied both together. Cause I mean, I grew up, my mom, I mean, geez, my mom's on antidepressants and she's on whatever. And you know, me, I'm, I'm, I was diagnosed bipolar and I have anxiety and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I've been dealing with that on top of, you know, all that, but I never really, I never put, this is with this, you know, I never said, I never, they were always two different things, you know, I never would be like, oh, maybe I have this stuff. You know, maybe I have the depression and have like the things that I'm going through because of RPA. I don't know that, you know, I went, that's another thing. I think maybe some people who got diagnosed with RPA, they don't, maybe they don't put, the reason why it's not the mental health aspect of RP is probably not talked about as much because I don't think there's people that like myself don't even realize that, that that's, you know, connected. You just think, oh, well, you know, I have anxiety, you know, but you don't think, well, I have anxiety because, you know, I have RP. Like it does it sometimes. Some people, I just don't think, think that. I mean, they should, though. I agree. We should definitely uh, talk more about that. That should be more something that's included in the whole realm, you know. And that's why I want to talk to different people like yourself. And things like, I, want, I want those people. I want to hear from the people that, you know, went, went dark, you know. Took took it, you know, and went, we're kind of down for a long time, and then you know, I you know, and maybe they're a different place now, or maybe they're still down, you know, because I want to hear all aspects of RP. Uh, it's like it's fantastic the direction you're going with these podcasts, but you know, part of it too is that these practitioners and these retinal specialists, they're really good at being retinal specialists. They know everything about these diseases, but it's a it takes a different part of the brain to then be able to uh, be empathetic and be able to help someone, um, you know, through the, the mental part of it or the emotional oh, yeah. part. And right. often they're so slammed. I had six minutes with my, with my specialist to tell me this horrible news, six minutes. And he had to rush <laughs> off to the next office. So uh, is it? could he, you know, I could tell he wanted to probably help me more and to be in a, talk to me more, but he just didn't have the time and he couldn't because he's rushing off to tell someone else they've got the diagnosis and then he's got to go do a cataract yeah. surgery and then he's got to do this. But it really hit home for me. I was reading a study about disabilities and people were asked, what, what disability do you, do you fear the most? And 74% of these participants in this study said that they fear going blind more than losing any other sense wow. or have any other disability. So when I thought about that, I was like, whoa, 74%, that's, that, that's you know, that prompts every other disability um, at this, you know, and this is just one study that I read somewhere, but you know, that's, that means that people are really fearful of that. Now I also technically have Usher syndrome, but I'm non-syndromic so far for the hearing loss. Oh, okay. Um, you know, okay, okay. And, you know, and so, um, you know, uh, kind of trying to learn more about the different disabilities and how it can affect different people. But being that, you know, 74% of respondents were fearful of vision loss. You know, that's pretty indicative and that makes sense for now why the first article I read said that people with RP are often emotionally devastated. Well, people are scared of that. They, you know, they, they don't want to have to deal with that. And, and um, mm -hmm. so it, it, it makes sense. And it's, it's disappointing that 
mental health isn't as big of a push within the community as, as I think it should be. And, and so that's one of the initiatives that, that we're working on. I'm volunteering with the foundation fighting blindness and we're, you know, that's one of the pushes to try to figure out, Hey, how do we better support people newly diagnosed, especially, and give them the resources to go and find the mental health help that they need and get access to the, to the counseling. You know, the, the other thing is too, that I've read about folks with visual impairment, you know, their net worth is 10 or 20% of a sighted person and their income is mm-hmm. 20 to 30 cent. And I might be off with the numbers a little bit, but no, you know, for the most part, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of folks with this, you know, low vision, they, they don't have the resources to go get the help that they need. And, you know, it's great that there are local groups like lighthouse for the blind and the society for the blind that actually offer free counseling for people. A lot of people have no idea that there's free counseling from licensed practitioners who all they deal with is other folks with low vision. And, and so I'm trying to figure out how to, how to get more access to those type of resources for folks that have been newly diagnosed or will be newly diagnosed in the future. That's good. I mean, I, I, the stuff I didn't know about either. So it's all, I mean, hopefully someone's listening to us soon <laughs> or when this comes out. So hopefully uh, people will just, that'll be good for people to hear about, you know, cause that's another thing. Some people, we just, there's so much stuff out there that we just, we don't know, you know, you know, and so being hopefully. a planner by trade, I, you know, I really went about this whole diagnosis as just, okay, what, what does it look like? What will my life more than likely look like in the future? And then what do I need to do to try to be as mentally and physically prepared for that as possible? And, and part of that planning process is getting the, the mental health support that, that people need. And I have, I've never had a problem asking for help from professionals and, and folks around me. So I'm very fortunate, but I've met multiple people that just couldn't do it. They didn't want to go through the process. They didn't want to talk to someone else. They just, you know, they just kind of tried to forget about it and, and just ignoring a diagnosis like this. Ultimately that'll come back to to bite most people in in the long run, but Mm -hmm. trying to address it face on, it's difficult to, you know, really rip the bandaid off and face it. But I found that that's been probably one of the best things I've done through the process. I think there's many different ways also to, I mean, not just therapy, because I'm not, I mean, me personally, I'm not a big therapy person, but I believe there's also other things that could be therapeutic that would also help. Like I, what I like, I mean, I think exercise is a very big, you know, thing to help in your mental health. Um, and uh, so any kind of, you know, or, you know, yoga or, you know, martial arts, I take that, you know, any, anything you can think of, you know, there's somebody it could help somebody i think any of that stuff is that's also overlooked a lot of people who who have rp and are not active you know and actually there actually is a facebook group i just joined called actually rp active or something like that so um it's really important to uh stay active because that that is a big help because i know i went through some stuff when i got thrown off of my I had a nice routine going, but then we, we uh, ended up moving to another town and then the place where we moved to, I couldn't do the workout routines and things like that I was doing. And like, so it got me, I, after a while, after a little while, and this is like just before I was about to leave my job, um, just, I got in a big funk and I just, I remember my, uh, 
my best friend and martial arts instructor, he just told me, Mike, just keep working out. Yeah, that's it. That was the advice. It just straight up, he's just like, Mike, just keep doing it. Like it's gonna, you know, it's gonna, you know, release the endorphins. You're gonna just, you're gonna start feeling better. Just keep, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, that's what I did. And I got myself back out and haven't looked back. <laughs> so uh, that's my, that's my yeah, advice to people at least, you know. That's a, that's a great avenue to, to be able to deal with it. I'm not saying therapy is for everyone because it's definitely not for everyone. But if you're able to, find the the fortitude the mental fortitude and strength by by working out i do meditation i know folks that do that's yoga. Not, yeah that's good that's good yeah um, you know there's other other avenues there's a you know lots of support groups available these facebook groups have you know a number of support groups as well that are available for folks and there's a number of avenues out there but it really requires people to to do the research and try things and and it's a process oh, yeah, too definitely. right so you Keep going, you know, every, every once in a while, you, you just have to grieve something else. So the loss of the, the ability to do, you know, one thing or another thing. And that's just a constant struggle with folks with RP. And so whatever you're doing now to, to get through the, you know, what you're dealing with, it's, you know, you might need something else in the future if things and when things change potentially. So right. that's where it's, you know, it's good that these avenues are becoming easier to get access to with, you know, everyone moving towards Zoom and, mm-hmm. and yep. know, these various support groups online. And so it's so there's definitely resources out there, but you know, oftentimes people just need to need to just try a few things and see what works for them. And if if it's something as easy as running marathons and if that's gonna help give you the the strength to be able to get through, then fantastic. That's boom. That's great. Right. <laughs> I saw, I'm, I was fascinated to learn from that um from Abigail that uh she said when they told the school that, you know, the diagnosis that she got, they were like gung ho. Like they already had, they had, you know, a low vision teacher already on site on a high school. They already had like all this, all these programs and stuff that she was able to do braille and, and they already had, it's already built into the educational system. I was just, I thought that was really wild to learn that. Cause I know if that were me back in the day and when I went to high school, like, no, they would have had nothing. They would like, they would have been, they would have looked at my parents like they had like 1600 heads or something like, what, like, like we just wasn't there like nothing was there you know so it's cool i like seeing that at least things are progressing you know much faster now with that stuff yeah it's definitely different to be diagnosed today than it was 20 or 30 years ago i mean the first guy i met with rp um he he was really negative unfortunately and he was he said oh well you don't want to go and waste your time over at the foundation fighting blindness you don't want to hang out with those edge seaters i was like an edge seater and he said yeah an edge seater like they're on the edge of their seat they're waiting for the next cure but don't get your hopes up dustin because i've been getting my hopes up every three to five years every doctor tells me oh just don't worry it's three to five years away the cure's on the horizon and then I get my hopes up and I just get disappointed. So don't be like one of them. And what you need to do is you need you to, you know, learn cane, you, know, you need to learn how to use a cane. You need to lose Braille. You know, you need to learn these other things because there will be, there's not going to be a cure. I said, well, okay, that's, that's fine. But I also, I'm reading about a drug called, <laughs> called Lexterna, which, you know, so far I've, I've had the chance. I met a 14 year old girl who had the therapy and granted 
you know, it's pretty expensive and it's, you have to have that specific mutation of RPE 65. Yeah. 65. Yeah. Able to get access to it. But these, these kids are regaining some of their vision and some of them are going to be able to drive again. And some of them are going to, you know, be able to live a, you know, a mostly or fully sighted life at some point. Um, and these therapies, you know, the amount of money that's now following these, because, you know, they, that's, that's really the biggest thing is they've realized, whoa, hold on. If we can create this therapy and people will pay or insurance companies will help pay 850,000 bucks for this therapy. That's so there's a lot of money to be made. You know, there's not a lot of folks that yeah. have RP in the world compared to, you know, many oh, other cancer and di- yeah, the, yeah, that, the bigger, yeah. but there's now enough push to, to try to, help these folks and people are willing to pay a lot of money. Obviously, if 74% of people are are most worried about about losing their vision compared to other oh, yeah. disabilities, and I'm not trying to downplay any other disabilities because- Oh, no, definitely not. No, right. You know, there's if there's money behind it, these companies are finally starting to realize, whoa, hey, wait, this could, not only could we help people and and help change people's lives and give people opportunities that they never would have had, we can also make a bunch of money doing it. And now let me say, if money is not the answer, please repeat the question. <laughs> so I think the diagnosis now with the, you know, there's handfuls of trials that are currently in process. I've been able to get involved with two trials already myself and the, the, the progress that they're making and these positive reports that are coming out give, should give people at least more hope now than they've ever been given. I mean, I, I've done enough research and I've, I'm confident enough that I really feel like I'm going to be cured of, of my disease. I have, I have a hundred percent conviction of that. I know it's just a matter of time. If I keep doing these things and I keep, keep up with the industry and I keep, uh, you know, keep my, keep squeaking and putting oil in the, in the gears. I'm going to find my, my cure in time. And it's just a different diagnosis now than it was 30 years ago. And oh yeah, no. I think ten years. My my thing is ten years. I said it from the time I stopped driving. I said thirty five. I said, you know what? I I just believe in my mid forties, like the way technology and the way everything is speeding up so much faster than twenty thirty years ago. I just feel like ten years. I mean, I'll be I'll be back driving again, and I, I still yeah. feel that way. Yeah, and these companies, you know, the gene therapies are probably the best chance to help most people, I think at this point, but stem cell therapies are, are showing yeah, I think that's be good. pretty I think decent, that's be good. you know, companies like Reneuron and these other companies, they're actually showing, you know, decent, uh, decent results. And as more and more money gets involved and more of these, you know, these little companies get eaten up and purchased by these larger drug and pharmaceutical companies, there's just going to be more and more trials and more and more push towards trying to figure it out, whether it's, gene therapy or or aon therapy exon skipping stem cell i mean there's there's therapies that you know they, they're still working on that, that they they haven't even you know really been able to roll out yet and so there's just a you know it's a really exciting time to be um kind of at the forefront of this seeing what's going to happen you know it's yeah, it's still it's still a ways away right these trials do take you know three to five plus years for a lot of them and uh, but, you know, I think that people who get diagnosed now, you know, should be much more optimistic than, oh, yeah, then, than they have right. in the past. I actually did have a girl on the show, one of my earliest podcasts, actually. She had the Lister thing. 
Uh, I know I recall she said it was really painful though. <laughs> That's all I remember. I, I gotta re-listen to it. I forgot which one it was, but uh, I remember I was excited because I was like, oh cool, I wanted to have somebody like that I can ask, you know, if they thought, you know, how it worked out and stuff. I, I never, I wanted to get a follow-up with her and see if, you know, if her vision is better or you know, what's the, uh, you know, I think she did say it was stabilizing or, or maybe I think that's what I think. Maybe I said that, but I, I want to find out if maybe she had any like more improvements since getting it done. Yeah. And a lot of people would just be happy with just slowing the progression or stopping. Oh, yeah. The progression. Totally. Or just stopping. Most yeah. people, Hey, if you, even if you're going to slow it, Hey, that's, that's better than better than the alternative. Um, so no, yeah, totally. No, I like that. So I know, I think there's just, there's just so much. There were just like, even ten. I would say even ten years ago, like the amount of stuff that's going on right now wasn't happening, even ten years ago. So, to think how fast we've already progressed, you know, up till now, like it's going to be, and I think it's going to get faster. Yeah. So, what can people do? So, people that do have some sort of diagnosis, probably the first thing to do is to talk to their doctor and find out if they can get genetically tested. Uh, yeah, I got yeah, I, yeah I, I'm still guilty. I haven't done that yet, but yeah, I would definitely say that's probably step one. Yeah, and through the Foundation Fighting Blindness, they have a an agreement with Blueprint Genetics and Informed DNA, and they offer free genetic testing. Not only free genetic testing, which is a full panel of tests, they also offer a follow-up consultation with a geneticist. And these people are extremely intelligent. They know everything about your specific oh. mutation and that was one of the first things I did is I said, or I said, oh, I lost you again. this is Losing. what's my diagnosis. Oh. I do. And, no. and so from there, I immediately reached out to the, the foundation fighting blindness and, and I was able to get into the genetic testing program. And within a month, my test came back and I knew exactly what my mutation was at that point. And, and that also got me in the queue then through the foundation, through the informed DNA website, that if there were trials in the future that could be an option for my mutation, that I would be kind of at the top of the list. So that was, it was pretty exciting to go through that process. Now, a lot of people go through the process and they find out that they don't know what the mutation is. I think a, you know, maybe a quarter to a third of people or so, maybe, you know, are, won't be able to find out what they're actual mutation is. And, and I know it can be a frustrating and difficult process, but for most of the folks who do go through the process, they can at least learn more about their, their current situation. And then they get their name on the list for future trials. And these companies are actively seeking out the people who have gone through the informed DNA process. And, you know, we're just numbers through there. So there's no personal information. It's just just some sort of numerical number that's associated with me and all my data. And then I can, I went on and updated my profile and you know, listed all the medications and supplements and all the different things that I've done and what I'm doing now. And it, it really helped get me in a queue. And that's what ended up helping me get access to uh, two different trials. So when you say you contact FAB, does they go on like their website or did you actually if they call somebody yeah i did both um so on the foundation fighting blindness website there's a tab for genetic testing 
And the best thing to do is just go to that tab. And there's a couple of brochures that the foundation has put on there and it lists out the steps for what you need to do to get approved for the process. So you would have your optometrist or your retinal specialist after they've diagnosed you with, with an IRD, they will then create a profile for you online through the informed DNA. And then you're in the queue and all of a sudden a, a test kit pops up at your house a week or two later and you submit Ooh. the test kit. You wait, I waited, uh, took about 60 days before mine came back and they said, Hey, here's your mutated genes and then call this number to set up a time with a genetic counselor. And, and I was just off to the races from there. So it's a, it's a, a lot of information is just on the website. People can also call the foundation specifically to be able to uh, learn more about, about the, the process. But that's something that through your optometrist or your retinal specialist, they should be aware. And if they're not aware, there's actually a brochure on that same genetic testing tab that's for professionals. And it lists exactly what they need to do to be able to help get a patient into the program. And the genetic testing cost is over 2000 bucks for the whole process and, you know, the hour, hour and a half with a genetic counselor. You know, it's, it's something that's not affordable for everyone. And, you know, there's been so many, you know, fortunately, the Foundation Fighting Blindness has raised so much money over the years. They've got great partnerships lined up that they're able to offer this testing at this point to everyone. I know that I, I try to always raise money for them or anytime I do something, I'm always, I always try to send some money their way. So help me out yeah. not just myself, but help others. Well, it took me about six months or nine months or so after I had the conversation with uh, the individual who told me to avoid the edge seaters and avoid that, that group. <laughs> before I finally gave them another chance. And I said, wait a minute, edge are these seater. guys really the bad guys or are these guys actually the good guys? And, and I've that itself, yeah, I've heard both. Yeah, yeah, and, and I can see both sides of it. But the foundation itself, their goal is to raise as much money as possible to donate directly to the companies that are trying to work on cures and therapies. So they've raised over seven hundred fifty million dollars that has mostly gone back into research and development. And right. they're seeding these companies, and they're giving them millions of bucks. 5 million, 10 million bucks here and there to continue and push forward with trials. And so they're actively trying to help find a cure for as many of the mutations as possible. Um, you know, the, the foundation itself, they've got 40 different chapters, I think around the country, the chapter in Sacramento where I live um, ended up folding a couple years back just from a lack of volunteers, oh, apparently. but San Francisco has a chapter. So I've been able to, get involved with them and one thing led to another and end up getting the opportunity to join a strategic council within the foundation. And it's a program that the COO of the foundation came up with about a year and a half ago. And he got about 10 of us from across the country, all younger folks with either that have an inherited retinal disease or a family member of a, of a patient. And, We've kind of been tasked with the, with the, uh, with the goal of really helping the foundation push a lot of their initiatives forward. Try to figure out how do we get younger folks to donate because one of the problems right now, people under 50, don't give as much money to charities as those over 50. 
And a lot of folks just don't think about it and they don't realize it. And if it can be something as easy as going into your Amazon account and choosing a charity, and I chose the Foundation Fighting Blindness, so every time my family so did I. Amazon, <laughs> yeah, yep, Amazon, Amazon, uh, Amazon Smile, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, totally. there's other ways that you can you can give as well. Oh, but small way, right? This, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But the Strategic Council, it's a really, it's been an amazing opportunity to get access to some really intelligent people that are really pushing things forward and and we're really trying to formalize the committee even more and and try to have a a bigger role in the future with pushing forward these therapies to try to help more people no and uh, actually while i'm still thinking about it if anybody new listening uh, especially newly diagnosed people listening uh definitely go check out the foundation finding blindness you know fightingblindness.org and um, I'm actually on their page right now, and I see they do have a nice little newly diagnosed tab, so which will have all the information for anybody new out there who just you know doesn't know uh, what's up or you know anything about you know, you know wondering about their future and what's going on. It's right there. So and like yeah, I said, that, I'm gonna say that program uh, they they actually ran out of money or they were running low on money this last year, and they were telling people, hey, if you don't get in by this date, you might not be able to get the free service. And then they made a couple of new arrangements and now it's it's offered again to anyone. So it's something that, you know, it's again, it's a couple thousand dollar cost, and which is prohibitive for a lot of folks in our community, but going through that program, you know, it's 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 not painful at all. It's just a, a saliva test in a, in a little jar and you just mail it off. Bada bing. Bing and and then you they send you all the information and then you have the game plan you have a map of hey this is this is what I have then you can do as much or as little research as you want to figure out you know what other folks have what other experiences people with these mutations have had and going through that process itself and di- driving or dialing as deep as the specific mutations that I had I was able to get a much better understanding of what my likely progression was going to be. So I recommend anyone goes through that process, especially while it's still being fully covered by the, the partnership with the foundation. Heck, I'm I'm definitely gonna do it because I I, I got to get off my button, at least figure out you know what my uh, gene is and you know I mean granted, like I said when I started this podcast I didn't know this stuff even when I, even when I started this podcast I didn't realize there was just that so many mutations you know and, and all that stuff and it was it was just it's fascinating you just think when you get RP you know. You have RP, <laughs> like my RP is the same as your RP, but it's not. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, there's what 270 or so different yeah, mutations. And so crazy to think about. And like you said, you got and some people like the first first person I actually met had ushers. That yeah, first person RP person I met, and I didn't even know that. And I was just like, what? What's that? Like what? Hearing too? Like, I, I, it's bad enough losing your vision. I can only imagine you know having to deal, you know going through all that that's a that's a whole thing so it's there's so many different things and then i heard like you know um i have a friend who has eds which is uh, ehlers danlos syndrome and um i had someone on the podcast had rp and she had eds and eds is very rare to get so and she had both so it's it, it just really depends on you know what what gene and what, and what happened and boom <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, and, and, you know, and really going through the process just to at least see if you are out. 
there's only been, I think, maybe 10 to 15,000 people that have gone through that process to submit their information because a lot of it's it's all voluntary. So, you know, people, you have to choose whether you want to submit your information, but I trying to be as transparent as possible. I just submitted right. you know, everything yeah. that I'm currently doing. I just said, hey, here's here's me. And if any of you <laughs> yeah, people running clinical trials are interested, then you can reach out to the foundation or through the informed DNA. And I'm participant number one, four, five, six, XXX, right? So, um, you know, it's just to be able to get your foot in the door for future trials that are going to happen, which have been picking up at a pretty amazing pace. Right. You know, getting going through that process is by far the best thing that people can do. I mean, I know I'm signed up for the the retina tracker. I'm on that registry. So it's going to periodically get emails, you know, about trials and, and things like that. But I just haven't done the gene test. So definitely get to definitely do that, guys. You know, get, you know, head over there. And like you said, it's it's free. So I mean, who doesn't like free? <laughs> well, I'm sure your listeners would love to hear about what your process is like and what, what you experienced through it. Because for me, it was, yeah, it, was definitely, really yeah. easy. it was easy. It was people were really helpful. The time with the genetic counselor was unbelievable, um, and it really gave me much more confidence to to know that hey, okay, now I really know what's happening. Now I can at least yeah, that's why I thought it would be better. I feel like there's some confidence might come with it, you know, because now you have you put a name to a face, and and that is better than being like, well, I have this, but I don't exactly know what I you know. It's like being oh, I have cancer but not knowing what kind of cancer you have. And like, once you know, okay, I've got, you know, brain cancer. Okay. Now we have, now we know what to do here. Now, now we know how to tackle this. That's uh, that's true. It's, and it's, you know, I don't, I don't know how long the, the opportunity is going to last for it being at no cost. Um, Cause again, last year they, they almost closed shop for a little while or, or put it on hold because they were mm-hmm. running low on funding. But um, you know, it's something that, Again, just going through your own retinal specialist or your even your optometrist is is usually the first step, just to figure out if you can if it even makes sense for you. Right. But yeah, there's a the, the edge cedars. I still like that. That's that's still. I, I'm telling you, I learn something new all the time. So that's a that's a that's a new word now. So next time, like, if someone's talking about something very exciting, but I'm not really excited, I'll be like, or I'm excited, I'll be like, I, I am an edge cedar. And be like, what? I'm sitting on the. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat here. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, was, it was so shocking that I was like, you know, he's like, you don't want to be yeah. one of these edge seaters. And I said, yeah, you're right. I don't want to be one of those people. It's horrible. Oh, that sounds yeah, horrible. Like, like it's, like, yeah, like it doesn't say, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you're right. I don't want to be an edge seater. Right? Yeah, what, what is that? <laughs> yeah, so it uh, took a while to get over that. And it took having to talk to a couple people at the foundation. And you know, there's some amazing people there that are that are really dedicated to trying to find a cure to help others. And, and again, they're the really the largest organization as far as fundraising, that's really just trying to raise money for the cure. So I highly recommend anyone, if you want to get involved, call your local chapter, there's an 800 number on the foundation website. And there's a lot of opportunities to be able to help volunteer to give back to this community as well through the vision walks they do, which are kind of a, a, a walk of some sort, 5k or 10k. Now they did a, they're doing a virtual, um, a virtual walk actually in, in oh. October this year, on October 23rd, I believe. 
and they're doing a, a virtual walk. So people from all across the country are going to be participating in this and people are raising funds for it. And, and between the, the virtual walk and there's dining in the dark events. Have you ever done a dining in the dark? I, I have not. I've seen them, but I, uh, ironically, uh, I mean, I've, uh, I've, I've heard of them. Yes. Uh, I had a chance not too long after my diagnosis, a good friend of mine invited me to go to, to a dining in the dark. And I, took my wife and I went and I was totally undercover there. No one knew that I had a, a uh, visual impairment and there was maybe five or so, five or eight people that um, that I could tell had had some sort of visual impairment and the woman leading the event had a visual impairment. But um, I just said, you know, okay, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to embrace this and just see what happens. I put on the blindfold and ate the whole meal. And then after the meal, it was it was amazing. People were talking about their experience and you know, most people said, Oh my gosh, it was so difficult. And I knocked over my glass of water on my spouse's lap. And I, <laughs> I just, you know, it was just, you know, a tough experience. But it, at the end of the dinner, I thought, Oh, wait a minute. Let's see. I still ate. I'm full. Um, I was able to <laughs> communicate with my table. Right. So if this is as bad as it gets, I can deal with this. I can handle this. I got it. So that's a that's a really great experience. I recommend as many people as possible try to try to do at some point. Obviously, through the pandemic, it's a little more difficult. But oh uh, right, some, yeah, I'm sure. I'd I'd want to try it because I feel like that's our strong suit. Like those of us who've like you know lost our night vision, like we, it's our world. So like we would probably uh handle pretty well at it because we're used to having to use all our other senses at night and stuff like that more than other people. So it would be like all right, let's do this. I have to eat in the dark. Any, I'm used to. I'm, I'm used to doing this. I'm used to finding my way around. I, I, I like a challenge. So to me, I would look at it as like, all right, I'm gonna eat and I'm gonna knock, not knock anything over. Like that's gonna be my. That's my challenge. Uh, it's that's very clear through your history that you embrace challenges, and I'm. I feel like I'm the same way, and uh, it's it's a, it's a good it. mentality to have. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I like the it. I like vision, the virtual vision walk, by the way, the the national. Uh, fall walk is actually on October 24th. So it's a Saturday. Okay. Um, so if anyone's 14th. interested, they can just go onto the foundation fighting blindness website. Boom. And one of the main tabs is virtual walk. <laughs> and it's a phenomenal way to get connected. And that's how I got connected with uh, other folks around, around Sacramento. And they connected me with people in Southern California. And it was just really a good experience overall. Well, all good stuff. So is there anything else you'd like to share before uh, we conclude this? No, I think that uh, I'm, I'm excited to see this podcast that you've been doing. I've, you know, I think you're, you're going down a great path trying to bring more awareness to the community. And, and I can see how, in a way, it's, you know, it's, it's a good learning experience for you as well to be able to talk to so many different people. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that more and more of these podcasts, more people listen to and, and you know, <clears throat> If anything, just to keep up with the, the trends that are happening, with the progress in science that's happening, and how do people get resources? And these resources are changing, especially with you know the current situation in the world. It's it's forcing most groups and companies to kind of look at themselves and figure, okay, how do we deal with, how do we still help people through this pandemic? Right, and uh, so that's that, why it's important to have all this information. And sometimes it's, I think, another reason why people don't they don't do anything about it sometimes because there's so much out there and it's so overwhelming and there is so much going on. It's like, 
you're like, okay, if there's going to be a cure, I'll just wait. You know, somebody, somebody will tell me, you know, it, it, it'll pop up somewhere <laughs> instead of having to like sift through all this stuff and try to figure out. So it's, it's a, it's a lot going on, but I think I mean, that's actually a great thing. You have to kind of look at it that way. That's a really great thing that there is so much going on and, you know, hopefully, you know, five to 10 years and you know, things, things will be good. Yeah, and a lot of it, it's, uh, you know, the old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's no different in this industry. You know, the more people you talk to, the more you put yourself out there, the more resources you try to get a hold of, and the more you can try to give back, the more opportunities that are going to pop up. I firmly believe that. Oh, yeah, because you look at, well, look at something like cancer. At X amount of years ago, there's probably cancers that were considered, you know, not good to have. Nowadays, there's so many cancers that are pretty much, you, they can they can nip them in the bud. My sister had thyroid. That's nothing. Um, I know one of my uh, one of my people, uh, my one of my clients. When I teach spin. One of my, one of my guys there, he just got diagnosed with throat cancer, and he was like nonchalant about it. He's like, oh, it's like you know, they caught it early, so it's like a ninety five percent, you know, you know, success rate. It's like so, but all that happened because all of this research and all the all you know all that you know all this time so now cancer is starting to slowly you know get eradicated certain you know certain types so it's like the same for rp you know we got to keep you know maybe won't we maybe we won't have cures for every single you know type for a little while but we're kind of nipping one in the butt you know so to speak you know as the years go by yeah and there's a lot of similarities you know, there, there are similarities between RP and other really horrible diagnoses like cancer. Um, I remember hearing about a group called with cancer. And right now the, the chance of surviving prostate cancer is, I think it's about 90% or more. Um, so it's much greater now than it was before. But what they found through the process of talking to these men who got diagnosed with prostate cancer is that when a doctor would tell a man and put his hand on his shoulder and say, I'm so sorry, you have prostate cancer. What they found happen is men's brains stop for 15 minutes. I'm sure there's one on the, you're listening to the podcast. Saying, <laughs> yeah, for I think years. it's longer than 15 minutes. So, I, I was going to say, uh, I think it's longer than 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but so, so they found though, and that was not the amount of time so that you figure a doctor sitting there saying, okay, you got this prostate cancer. Hey, don't worry. You know, there's been a lot of progress. The you know, the life expectancy is still very high. You know, less than 10% mortality rate. You know, just do these things. Try to be eat healthy. Here's the resources for you. Here's the American Cancer Society. Here's the you know, there's these various groups, and men specifically just didn't process that. No, and so just, yeah, shut down. Yeah. Just shut down completely. And so what the Navigators program did is. Within 24 hours, they would these men would get a call from someone saying, "Hey, I know you got this diagnosis, but uh, I know you've hopefully had a day or two to think about it. I'm so sorry to hear about it, but don't worry, I went through it. I had prostate cancer. I beat it. Here's the different resources you can gather." And it was pretty, pretty eye-opening for a lot of the folks who had been diagnosed. And so it's you know similar to getting an RP diagnosis or a another inherited retinal disease diagnosis, you know, maybe even later in life for people is, you know, my, my brain shut down for those whole six minutes that I was talking to myself. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, so. You know, so, so people getting 
you know, especially soon after their diagnosis, trying to reach out and getting the help and getting the support they need. Um, you know, it's extremely important. And, and I wish there was more push and towards, you know, really teaching these inherited retinal doctors, uh, retinal specialists, uh, hey, don't just tell the patient that they have a disease, give them these other resources and resources change over time. So there's a logistics yeah. issue. And, but, um, you know, so if there's a, Work Something on that, that bedside that, manner. Yeah, but it's tough. You know, they're in tough positions because they're not trained to be mental health therapists, right? They're just trying to do as many cataract surgeries nope. as possible, right? Yep. Or, and yep. so it's a, it's a different, there's a disconnect there. So I'm hoping that that disconnect decreases over time. And I think it will. I hope it does. Well, thank you very much for uh, just bringing a light to, uh, you, know, sh- you know, shedding a light onto another you know, part of RP that we really don't actually really think about. Uh, so it was really good to. Yeah, this was my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you and to your audience. And I wish you nothing but success. And, and I hope your show continues to grow and in the future. Well, thank you very much. And you enjoy and try to stay safe out there in California. All right. Yeah, we're so we can we can start to see through the smoke at this point, and it, it will uh, hopefully get better here in time. So, all right. You take care. All right. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. See you next week for another episode of Living Free with RP.